0: Hi, and welcome to the IT Insider Podcast, the podcast to help the IT professionals and enthusiasts better understand the fast paced world of technology. We hope you'll enjoy this IT Insider production. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the IT Insider Podcast. I'm Richard Holmes from Arrow, your host today, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different episode uh, this time around because uh, as people who use the website will, will probably know, we, we we segment our content into areas like cloud, analytics, mobility, security, social. But but on this episode, we are, we're going to look at, how can I best put it? We're going to look at uh, engaging with, uh, with the staff in your business. We look at people strategy, but I am no expert for that. So today I'm joined by... Anthony Ryland from uh, Tap Solutions. So, Anthony, welcome to the show, sir. Um, could you, you could you begin by um, introducing yourself, letting letting everybody know a little bit about your background, and and also just just giving us a bit of view of, uh, of who tapped are and uh, and why I'm relying on you for the expert view today.
1: <laughs> Thanks very much, Richard. Um, right, so I'm Anthony Ryland. I'm the co-founder and managing director of Tap Solutions. Um, we are a HR consultancy, but also with a focus on HR technology. Um, the background of TAP Solutions is all of us in TAP. We were HR professionals for a number of years on the corporate side, um, and we decided that actually our, our love of technology and the fact that HR technology is coming down the road at a rate of knots <laughs> towards senior HR leaders, we we formed TAP Solutions to actually Help HR leaders understand this technology and uh, bring it to life in their business.
0: That's brilliant. I mean, I think you know, for, for regular listeners and uh, and regular readers, everybody probably knows us for yeah, for, for bringing on um, partners that that obviously have some, some specialism in either an industry sector or or a line of business, um, process area. But but I think this is the very first time we've had anybody who who, who would. Put themselves down as being HR specialists, and, uh, and I think we see see a bit of a a bit of a change in the type of organisations that um, you, know, you you would class as being IT shops, and uh, you know it, it's gone are the days of, of specializing, you know, purely maybe in, in one particular piece of technology and and having solely technical skills around that. I mean, it, it's interesting. Could you give us a could you give us a view from from a tap perspective about you know the type of people in your organisation, just to hopefully an example of, of the type of point i'm getting to on this
1: yeah uh, if i think about our organization we we've built uh, with a core team and an associate model around that and and uh, we have people with psychology degrees we have people who have done talent roles inside a business leadership um development roles inside a business um so we've got a mix of everything from people who can go in and talk strategy and od at the m- this most senior exec level of a business but also people who can actually then translate the data into um, an a, a form that analytics can can get the most out of. So we've got a whole stream of talents there. But our, our key, un, like fundamental part of our business, is actually HR, HR specialism, and just loving the concept of getting the most out of your people.
0: Brilliant. So I, you, you've been involved in HR. We we know each other from yeah previous conversations uh, prior to this show but you've been involved in HR for quite, quite a number of years and, uh, and it's really interesting when you talk about data and analytics um, and so, yeah, uh, an HR department how, how do you go about getting that data out of HR department how do you where do you begin what does it, what does a typical engagement look like
1: it's interesting, actually, because you don't actually start by talking about data and analytics. <laughs> uh, it's um, Because quite often that shuts down the conversation right from the start. Um, it's more important to talk about um, what the business strategy is. What What is the organization trying to achieve in the next year, two years, three years? And then from that, what are the people aspects that are the challenges that you need to then resolve to actually make that, business strategy work, because there's always um, in in businesses something about the the quality of the products that they sell, but there's also the people angle and the skills Mm. that you need to to achieve that. So it's about finding out what that people aspect is, and then from that, you can start talking about, okay, so to make this change and transformation, what's the hypothesis, what are the questions you need answering from your data to give you the insight to actually form some strategies to, to bring this success? And it's only then that you start actually turning to what's behind systems and what data points you've got and CSV files and things like that. Um, and to be honest with you, that can be days into a consultancy when you get to that point. Mm-hmm. It's I, th- I find the biggest education of HR leaders at the moment is actually crafting those amazing questions that need answering. That's, that's the, the bit where I find in 2017 we're doing the best we can.
0: And could you give us a, an example of some of those questions? Because I, I think it's been plainly obvious in the opening couple of minutes. I certainly don't come from an HR <laughs> background. It's probably dubious. I come from a technology background as well. But at <laughs> that to one side, I, you talk about sort of the business identifying the the people strategy for you know the, the coming year, two years, et cetera. Yeah what what does what does that look like what are some of the common sort of challenges that that your clients are coming to you with or businesses are coming to you with
1: well it's trying to understand a complex um number of employees of people um a company made of a lot of people Mm -hmm. breaking that down Um, but the questions are usually start off fairly simple like where where is my best talent and how do i get that talent reaching its full capability and where do I find more of that talent? Is, is a right. one area. Uh, it could be really simplistic, as in, um, I am suffering from a lot of attrition, i.e., people are leaving my business. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's, there's voluntary attrition. There are some people, you're not too unhappy that they leave your business, but there are other people that actually it's going to take a long time to find the replacement. So, actually, can I find where in my business there are people at risk of leaving? What are those reasons that for that? And then what can I do to minimise those risks? So um, that can be anything from uh, the, the managers that they work with to the, the remuneration package, the bonus commission, the, the, the healthcare benefits, all these things. And there are so many different levers that can be pulled to why people love working for your business and why they, they, they leave your business. To mm. Actually, that's where the analytics comes in. Because if you got someone to sit down and bring all that data together and say actually look at that yourself and compare every single cell against the other cell to find the patterns it would take them forever and by the time they got the out answer the data out of date yeah. so actually that's where the power of analytics brings it together so it, it really comes down to the fact that HR leaders throughout history have used their experience to come up with gut feelings that 80% of the time are right. But when it comes to the exec board, where you're sitting there next to finance, next to marketing, next to sales, and actually you try and articulate your gut feeling, when they've got sentiment data analysis and all this stuff, it's very hard to convince the business for the investment. What analytics brings is actually, uh, here's the proof. Now, give me the money and I'll give the return.
0: (laughs) I suppose it's a lot like that famous scene on on the film Moneyballs, where where the, s- the coaches are sat around looking at the picks for players coming, coming in and everybody's talking about, well, you know, I've got a good feeling about him or gut tells me this and gut tells me that and, well, he moves like this and we've, yeah, th- there's literally, you know, it's based on very much a personal opinion rather than hard, fast data.
1: Yeah, and, and I think um, uh, being the sad type of people we are in human resources and uh, the fact we know about human behaviour quite a bit, if you look actually at human behaviour, there's the conscious and the subconscious. Yeah, And the subconscious is that wealth of information you just can't deal with in your consciousness. And that is your gut feeling. So all those decisions you've made in your life up to this point all become part of your subconscious, and that gut feeling is actually your brain putting the little neurons together and actually saying this is probably the right answer and it probably is it's just in this day and age where we we need to make data-driven decisions it's just bringing that to life and and actually then when you're in an organization of of 10 20 100,000 people how do you look at all those people as individuals without using the power of analytics
0: so this is this leads me on to another question that I have. Yeah, is there a sweet spot for for the, the size of, of of organisation that w- will benefit from an engagement that that TAP brings? And I suppose supplemental to that, are we assuming that you we're looking at the full spectrum of employees, or are we looking at particular niches? I mean, how? How would you answer those questions?
1: Okay, well, thanks for the stacked question. Sorry I about that. Not a problem <laughs> at all. Um, I would say the answer to that is yes, and it depends. Um, so uh, if I elaborate on that, um, I think, um, especially with cloud technology, mm-hmm. which is where most analytic solutions now sit, um, it's, uh, it doesn't really matter the size of your organization. It's very much about the cost versus the benefit. Yeah. So, if you're investing in analytics, um, you need to be very much aware of, actually, if you answer these key questions, these killer questions you've got, um, are you going to make the return mm-hmm. on that investment? Just like any decision that business makes. So again, what we would do is actually we would help you craft that, that case. But I think, going back to the question, I was in a, a, an organization uh, not too long ago. And they had a real problem about holding on to data scientists. And at the moment, in the southeast, especially in London, in the UK, um, we have um, an issue where there's not enough data scientists to go around as everyone wants data scientists. And now HR are thinking about analytics. It makes it even worse because you want even (laughs) more (laughs) data scientists. So um, this company was really struggling um, and wanted to use analytics to actually get to the basis of of what can we do to retain these data scientists more? Because yeah. if they held on to one more a year, that could, uh, just the recruitment cost, could half pay for an analytics solution. Wow. Um, and then if you think the time it takes from hire to get these people up to full productivity, yeah. that in itself is a hidden cost that is massive. Um, so, and they had 10 data scientists. So you okay. could say that this company could pay for its an HR and people analytics with just looking at a, a pool of 10 people. But then you can go right to the other scale, end of the scale. And if you're in a large retail organization, for example, and if you have uh, a 100 stores mm-hmm. and uh, you look at your engagement data through your uh, employee survey and you find that 10 of your stores are high-performing and then you compare it to your engagement data and they're also engaged more, then you can get the case to go into those stores, do further analysis, do some focus groups, and then from that resolution of, of what makes those 10 stores different through analytics you can then get a project signed off to make those other 90 stores better so you can be looking at tens of thousands of people in in the group there but that incremental increase of productivity of say one or two percent in revenue and sales in that store yeah. in those stores could actually add up to millions of pounds
0: so this isn't something that could be yeah it is just the the purview of, uh, yeah, of a large multinational organisation or um, a, a small, highly skilled uh, employer. It, it's basically, uh, you name it, there'll be a benefit that could be identified from you know, asking the right questions and then, you know, I suppose, getting the right data, doing the right timely analytics and action in it, regardless mm-hmm. of size or scope yeah, or and profile of your business. And
1: especially engagement uh, data, if doing an employee surveys the data from that is one of the most underused pieces of data going we, you do a report comes out with four or five recommendations and that's what we do for for the year but you've probably got up to about half a million data points there and then if you think anything from market traders in the city of london yeah. if, if the, the amount of money each one of those make like your business if they just turn that out five percent what you could do the it, yeah. and it, it is really when you break it down it's, it's almost like a no-brainer when you actually sit down with uh, an exec team and say actually you want to answer these questions, analytics can give you the insight to do some projects where you almost guaranteed you're gonna get the return. So my, my amazement is actually we're not doing more of it at the moment. <laughs> so.
0: I've certainly bought it. I, I, I must admit, I've, I'm kind of I'm drinking the Kool Aid from from taps at a minute. Um, so there's quite a few questions that spring to mind with what you've just said there. But I would like to take it a step back and, and just go back to to what you were saying about identifying the right type of questions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what what format does that take? And then how do you make sure that you know, you, you get the pool of questions? I suppose. One, the right questions, the right balance, but then get it out to, I suppose, your staff and people uh, and then get the data back. How uh, how do you do that? Because I think f- for me, I kind of think, right, you can get the right questions together, yeah, we can get the data back, but if you're in an organization where there's, there's a problem with engagement, then, then crikey, how, how are you going to do that?
1: I mean, some of these are massive questions. uh, (laughs) Sorry. uh, 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 The sun goes down in 12 hours, (laughs) I believe. Um, So, um, okay, so the first bit is, um, how would you come up with those great questions? And that really, uh, I hate to say it, but it almost goes back to like kind of the old school approach of getting the the key stakeholders in a room, getting an amazing facilitator who understands creative thinking and decision-making processes and uses different, to have an open, engaging conversation, starting with the business strategy. And you'll be amazed, actually, the number of businesses who can't define the business strategy if you ask them directly. Um, and then from, from that, actually think, okay, so, so what is going to achieve this? If you, I don't know, if you're a, a mobile phone company and you need to sell 20% more mobile phones in a year, yeah. an aspect of that, you can attribute a percentage of that to the design of the phone. A percentage of that to your marketing uh, strategy and who you target, but there's going to be a percentage of that that comes down to what the salespeople actually do in your stores to actually get the buy-in of the customer that actually that's the phone to purchase. So out of that 20%, you might be able to attribute 15% of that to um, factors outside directly of people Mm -hmm. I would say the marketing strategy still comes from people Mm -hmm. and actually production still comes from the productivity of people. um, But there's going to be that aspect of behaviours that sit within your sales team uh, in those stores that actually if you can find the right way to engage them um, will make the difference. And that can be the behaviours of the the store manager, the leader of those people. Uh, Again, another great thing we see in HR time and time again is actually people work for managers, they don't work for organisations. Yeah. They can be attracted to organisations, so there's some amazing employer brands out there, and you get attracted to the organisation because it might do the ethically the right thing or yeah. it might be the lifestyle you want. But once you're in there, you work for your m- manager and, and that, that person gets you up in the morning and makes you want to go to work. So mm. that, quite often I find those middle managers in businesses, the behaviours they emulate or um, actually make or break a business so actually sometimes the key questions are about those behaviors yes. so it's about what is it that manager X is doing here that makes the engagement different to manager Y and then when you start looking at your, your data the trends might come out that certain managers uh, um, might have joined from a certain competitor mm-hmm. over the years yeah it might have been they've come uh, went on a certain course uh, uh, over, over a number of years ago or anything, or it might be um, a certain demographic of that manager. It might, because um, quite often uh, people work for uh, people like themselves. It, it's interesting. if yeah. you, Yeah, if, if you go, um, again, we're, we're sitting in the centre of London at the moment, yeah. so apologies to all those people listening who are outside of London. Um, if you go to different parts of London and see the demographics of people working in those stores, actually people are working for managers and leaders who who they they want to be like kind of thing. So all this comes down to data and it yeah. comes in, in, in identifying what's great and replicating it.
0: So if we take a view of, of, of Tapped as yeah, not just HR specialists but analytics specialists... Mm-hmm. Is there a link between engagement and that talent insight? From from the answers that you've given to, to these past questions, uh, I'd say there absolutely is. So they kind of feed each other. Mm. Um, how <laughs> can you give an example of, of some of the I suppose some of the markers, some of the ways that you go about using, bring it back to technology, I'm afraid, but mm-hmm. where, where you use the technology to identify, yeah, you know, the the right sort of talent, in your bi- either in your business or that you want to, to attract.
1: Okay, um, so a good example of this would probably be those companies that employ graduates from university. Okay. So um, if, you, uh, if you've if you ever recruited graduates, then you would know what the milk round is. I believe it's the name of an app these days, but the milk round is where uh, companies used to go around from university to university over a period of weeks and have set up a little stand um, and we're rec- attract graduates to come and work for them. And it still happens now. It's not just mm. online. Um, and you might spend a lot of money when it, when you add up how much that equipment costs, but more importantly, the, the logistics of moving that around and the people's salary and time to actually yeah. land those stands. And you go to 20 universities and you attract graduates. Uh, they go through a process you, and you employ them. Yeah. What you can do now is actually looking at your previous graduates and seeing what happened to them in your business and where they are now, you can identify those that you would deem as uh, high potential, mm-hmm. so people who have the ability to go further in your company where they are, so people who have performed well, and if you separate that group out from the, the graduates who are still in your business but who are, mm, kind of say, good, good but not great performers, so you've got the great and the not great yeah. If you separate them into two groups and then you put that through the type of statistical predictive analysis um, that analytics can do, mm-hmm. that will show you what um, significant differences there are between the two populations. Wow. And that's where it gets interesting. Because when you get those two significant populations and you see the difference, you can then start seeing what those differences are, and you think, how can I replicate that in my future graduate recruitment, so I more often hit the nail on the head. So is it the fact that 80% of my high potential people now came from five out of those 20 universities? Right. So let's target those five universities. Were they of degrees that were totally relevant to their roles? Or was it the fact that they did lots of extracurricular activities while at university? Mm-hmm. Um, and now these days, uh, you, you, you scan in CVs and stuff like that. It's amazing what data points you actually have. Yeah, And and it could be the fact that actually when these people had been graduates, the first manager they worked for afterwards, that inspirational leader, leader may made or break them as high potential. So it could be you have one or two amazing leaders in your business that actually come to life and you think, actually, what we're going to do is tag those leaders to our graduates as they come oh. through.
0: So not just targeting the right potential areas or people to attract in, but also yeah. targeting internally the right people that's going to nurture that talent.
1: Yeah, because the easy bit is, um, I think, and what we've done until now with reporting and stuff in HR is yeah. actually think. Where, where do my graduates come from uh, and perform well from which university? That's an easy answer yeah. to, to look at your data. It's by combining different data points. So so like the learning and development uh, data, because you all do online learning, e-learning at, at work now and everything. What did you do and when? Yeah. It's about your history of who you reported into, which manager and how long for. That's all now data that's online in the core HR system. Wow. Um, and it's adding, and the, uh, again, going back to the engage, engagement um, survey data, that mm-hmm. wealth. If you then stick that together with your finance data of performance, um, how people performed in their performance reviews, um, and put all that together, yeah. you you always get answers that are surprising and new insight that you didn't have before.
0: That's absolutely fascinating. I mean, we. We could probably go on for another hour at least, (laughs) I think. I just find it absolutely just mind-blowingly interesting, really, about the application of of not just technology but all the other services and and specialism and experience that you guys can bring in. And that is a shameless plug, so apologies to our (laughs) listeners for that. But just to to wrap up, I mean, uh, is there anything that, you know, that from from your perspective and what what you're seeing in the market and with the clients that you're engaging with at the minute is, is there anything that you see as being, yeah, obviously you've mentioned cloud and yeah the ability to deploy you know, tools and services quickly mm-hmm. in order you know in order to you know, get the right data out and and in a timely manner be able to action it but yeah. Are there any either technologies, areas, or or patterns or trends that you see for the coming yeah, coming year, two years that, that you think are going to be the next hot things from 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 a HR perspective or from from an analytics perspective even?
1: Yeah, I think there's um, I d- again we've, uh, we're coming <laughs> to the end of the podcast. <laughs> so Wait do I go. Um, I we could always do a part two. I think what I will do is leave out the fact that we're in a very changing environment yeah. at the moment. There's a lot going on in the external world that is actually impacting on business quite heavily, which is yes. leading transformation. What I think the biggest trend is, which really feeds into this concept of use your data and, and get going on analytics, is the c- is this concept of continuous listening and employee feedback. Yes. Yeah. Because so many businesses still rely on the annual survey of 80 to 100 questions, oh, uh, yes. answer one to five, uh, and everyone answers three, um, and of asking that once a year. Yeah. Just imagine what uh, your listeners are doing right now. They're listening to a podcast, but when they finish li- listening to this podcast, they're probably going to go on to Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, and they're going to start leaving feedback for other people, be it a like, be it a comment. Ooh. So people leave feedback 30 to 40 times a day on average. And you then say, okay, come into work, because we all say that the work-life balance is, is blurring, mm-hmm. come into work, and actually you come into work and say, actually, no, we don't want your feedback today. Uh, we'll ask you in about 324 days' time. So um, so yeah, I think this concept of continuous listing and by doing that and asking more pulse-type questions and everything, yeah. the technology is there now, but it, the thing is it now links to analytics. So you can ask some questions in the morning of your people, you can put that through analytics with all your other data sources, and by the afternoon you can get some insight, go to the the CEO, get something signed off, and the next morning you're working on a project about how people felt today. That's the difference. And it's not fanciful. it's not a million miles away. um, It's um, here now, and I think some of the... Some of the fears that HR leaders and HR professionals have about it's too complicated, it's too messy, the data's not pure, pure enough. Yeah. Talk to someone uh, external about that because actually, you'll find you don't need pure data, and actually, if you don't start now, you're going to be behind the curve very, very soon.
0: I, I think that's that's the key takeaway from this episode, everyone. That yeah, if you think you've got challenges, if you if you think that either budget, price point, the technology's Beyond your reach, or, or, or even you don't know where to start. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, Anthony, uh, the the team at Tapped, you know, there are Tapped to here. There are obviously we have to say there are other organisations out there as well, but yeah, there are specialists out there that that can can really make make those first steps towards having an impact and and addressing those pain points. Um, I think a lot easier than than sitting there and. I won't say doing nothing, but um, considering what, what what the challenges are behind it, it's you know get out there and engage. So, it's it's been a fan it's been an absolutely fascinating and fantastic episode. A little change from the norm, but uh, Anthony, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: And. Uh, uh, M- look out for more uh, episodes of the IT Insider podcast um, uh, and yeah, we'll be inviting Anthony and, and the TAP team um, to put um, put together you know, further information on, on, on what those guys do and we'll, we'll make sure that it's up on, uh, on the website shortly so thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you again soon thanks, goodbye Thank you very much for listening please subscribe visit us at theitinsider.co